From Bristol, UK, I'm Pomi Harmer. And I'm Melissa Shamam, and this is The Quarantini. We're bringing you this podcast every week to keep your spirits up and until the COVID crisis in the UK has ended. As with every week, today we'll bring you a mix of ingenious responses to the virus, creative ideas for the future, and maybe a dash of the unexpected. As usual, a special thank to the All Bones Connective for our opening music. Yes, so here we are, back with episode 11. Thank you for listening. And in this series of The Quarantini, we're looking at how things may change following the pandemic, how we want them to change and how they ought to change. We can sense it in our communities that people are ready and willing for a new world to emerge. But what do we want it to look like? So this week, we've got an interview with Fuad Mohammed. He's the CEO of Ashley Community Housing, and he talks about his vision for refugees and migrants. And the mixer part of the show will include, as usual, a roundup of our exciting responses to the virus. But first, for the dash of something exciting, we've got some music, as usual. And today, we have this. It's a COVID coronavirus song, Can't Take the Mask Off of You. So the original song is obviously uh, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You by Frankie Valli. And this interpretation was by Ron Allen in the US for a funny COVID virus song. Then the virus came here And no one can come near Cover up and stay home I just sit here alone I'm just trying to survive How can this be true? Can't take the mask off of you So I just play along I sit home and write songs Nothing else I can do Except to think about you This thing's got us confused We don't know what to do Wash our hands and stay cool Maybe a protest or two Ron Allen singing Can't Take the Mask Off of You. And it's now time for our weekly roundup. But before that, let's just remind everybody how to get hold of us. 
Yes, please do email us at thequarantinipodcast at gmail.com or find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Okay, so what's on our list first, Melissa? Here in Bristol, one consequence of the pandemic could be the pedestrianisation of a historic road, King Street. Um, You know, this is where is located the Old Vic Theatre, but also many pubs as the legendary Old Duke and some bars and restaurants. King Street is part of what is called here in Bristol the Beermunda Triangle. You get where it comes from. And so the other pubs are parts of the road, like the Royal Navy Volunteer and the Beer Emporium and the Conks. This move will notably enable the small bar and its neighbourhood to have much more chances of survival because they would have much more space outdoors. So I think it's the move for all of them. Another piece of good news from Bristol is that apparently this week, this past week, there was no new case of coronavirus in Bristol in three days in a row. That's what the, um, since the government has announced the coming easing of the lockdown. So hopefully this will remain this way and we can enjoy this new part of easier lockdown, at least here in Bristol. That's really good news, isn't it? And on to the UK, Fair Share, the largest charity in the country to tackle food waste and hunger, and they're very prominent in Bristol as well, is now supplying nearly 4 million meals a week to vulnerable people all over the UK. And this latest figure was shared by the 22-year-old Manchester United defender, Marcus Rashford. Listeners will remember that he was the man who got the government to extend free school meals into the summer holidays. And he goes on to say, whilst I'm celebrating this, there is so much more to do. Trust me when I say I'll keep fighting until no child in the UK has to worry about where their next meal is coming from. He's only 22. He's such a fantastic young person, I think. It's so inspiring, right? I've seen so many people proud of him on on Twitter and in different conversation. We can definitely add him to the list of young people who deserve to be highlighted over this past few weeks for, you know, saying the right thing and, and making things move in the right direction. Absolutely. So moving further afield, if you're aching to get back to the gym, see what I did there, Melissa? (laughs) LA Gym in California have designed special pods where you can weight train and do classes to your heart's content in your very own socially distanced bubble. It's catching on and pods are springing up all over the world. In Toronto and Canada, there's what resembles a mini Eden project of domes, especially for yoga and fitness classes. It's in the sort of park gardens of a hotel, I think. And not only that, they can be heated should anyone want to do hot yoga. Ooh, I don't think I'd want to do that in this weather, but uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Wow, it looks very futuristic. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, another piece of good news globally is that at one point during the pandemic, I think a third of the world's population was estimated to be living under lockdown. That's absolutely massive, isn't it? And as human heat indoors from this virus, then reports emerge of the wildlife taking over cities. We've mentioned them in this podcast, like such as jellyfish were spotted in Venice, in the canals, and some dolphins seen in the Bosphorus, and even some cougars in the streets of Santiago. So in an article published recently in in Nature, the leaders of the study explained that such research could help inspire new, innovative conservation strategies for sharing space on an increasingly crowded planet. That's really good, isn't it? Now, Melissa, I know it's only June, but 
how about decking the halls with boughs of unused beer barrels? At the start of lockdown and following the pub closures, the Irish brewer Guinness had to reduce its stocks to the minimum needed to keep the yeast alive, meaning hundreds and thousands of Guinness kegs might have gone to waste and also an awful lot of beer left in pubs that couldn't be sold. So instead, they've repurposed it to fertilise Christmas tree crops under a new forestry project. This famous brewery brought back millions of litres of stout beer and ale from closed pubs and is disposing of it in this environmentally friendly way. Some of the beer was also diverted to anaerobic digesters where it produces biogas. And the company think that before long, they'll use this biogas as a fuel source in their Dublin brewery. So amazing outcomes for something that's, you know, could have gone to waste. Such a brilliant idea. I visited the brewery, the Guinness Brewery in Dublin. It's it's a it's a really lovely place. It's so interesting. You learn so much about it and you can totally imagine where they got so many ideas, you know, for bettering their use of um, the brew and all. Congratulations on them. And it definitely tastes better in Ireland than it does here. <laughs> oh, well, always the original, right? Yeah. And finally, I love this piece of good news. Um, endangered pangolins are to be removed from traditional medicine in China. There'll be a new list that is just not going to allow them to be used. So the China has granted pangolins some protected statues now, and they removed their scales from that list of approved medicine ingredients. I saw this, Melissa, but I don't know what a pangolin is. What is a pangolin? Yeah, it's an interesting animal. Let me give you more details because, you know, it's very related to what we're living now. Uh, the, the pangolin is a little mammal. They live in mostly Asia and part of uh, sub-Saharan Africa. And they're known for what is a large, very protective, keratin set of scales covering their skin. And they are the only mammals with this feature. They have a very long tail. Once you've seen a photo, you can recognize them. They're quite, they're very, very cute. And they're funny animals. They live in hollow trees and um, they are nocturnal. They're very solitary. But the story upon me is that unfortunately, then they're chased for these scales. And in China specifically, they are now threatened of extinction. But we also know that uh, they are among the most trafficked mammals. And there are evidence that they were carrying this new coronavirus, just like bats. So they are among the animals that can survive the virus, carry the virus, but because the humans are using them too much, killing them and you know being around their bodies too much, that's probably how the virus came to pass to humans. So this is a double good news in a way. So maybe we're going to save the pangolins from extinction and maybe we're going to save also all this bad habits of like, colluding with wildlife and then endangering both the species and ourselves with diseases we cannot cope with as we have seen this past four months. That's really good news. Good news for the pangolins and good news for the planet. Okay, so now it's time for our interview. And this week I spoke to Fouad Mohammed, who originally came to the UK as a Somalian refugee 21 years ago. He's now CEO of ACH, Ashley Community Housing, which supports around 2,500 refugees every year with finding accommodation and employment, as well as training them in a whole variety of skills. As you'll hear, Fuad is passionate about the contribution refugees and migrants make to the UK 
and he talks here about how he would like to see them as a group of highly resilient entrepreneurs that should be taken seriously and invested in to help kickstart the economy as we come out of lockdown. I started by asking him how refugees and migrants have been affected by the virus. The baby community at large, that's refugees, migrants, have been really uh, badly hit by COVID-19. And there are many reasons why that's the case. So in terms of how badly it's been hit, one of the key reasons include the financial resilience of the community. This is a community that have already been struggling before the COVID-19. And because of the lockdown, because of the poverty, then, you know, it, it exacerbated the situation. Yes. So just tell me a little bit about, you know, how you see the role of migrants and refugees in this country and how important they are and how key they are, because you've talked about that in your report. Uh, the migrants and refugees community are highly entrepreneurial people. Um, they are actually running a lot of businesses which are critical in, in the recovery phase. But before we talk about the recovery phase, in the emergency phase, uh, as you are well aware of, uh, a lot of BAME NHS workers have uh, absolutely sacrificed their life in uh, helping uh, 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 the country equally. People are very much well aware of how uh, BAME communities and have been very much involved in the NHS. But what I would like to show with you, that it's just not the NHS only. If you think about what runs our economy, uh, the drivers, the uh, people who are running supermarkets, uh, people who are involved in agriculture. So, you know, uh, migrants and refugees are absolutely workers who we've just realised how important they are to our economy. Uh, recently, there have been reports that, that came out about how our agriculture is, is struggling because of lack of uh, enough workers. And the government have been talking about how should we let in more migrants to come into the country to, to help us with, 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 with agriculture. And if you think about it, a couple of months ago, just before the, the, the lockdown, the government have been saying we shouldn't have migration. We should impose more uh, rigid system on how we should let them people in. And now we realize that our life is depend on a lot of key workers from this community. So I really think this is a moment that we really need to reflect how our policies and our, uh, 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 you know, especially how the government treats uh, uh, migrants. This is this is a time we should really recognise the contribution that they have made to the country uh, in terms of the NHS and other key work that they've done. Yes, just describe for our listeners what life is like for migrants and refugees in this country and what the what the government is doing. What I mean, we can just encapsulated, I guess, in the hostile environment, but I guess it's wider than that. Well, it's been made worse by this quota system and how um, the migration policies, which are very hostile, which uh, actually have been saying that unless you have a, a, a top-notch qualification and, and, and are seen as a medium-skilled person, you shouldn't be letting the country. But amazingly, the people that have saved this country in the last couple of months, not only the BAME community, but are the people who are classified as low-skilled jobs. So my view is that we should welcome migrants, because if you talk about now uh, recovery and post-COVID-19, we really want our economy to get going. And if, if, if we're talking about 
uh, our economy to get going, one of the key ways to do that is, is to focus on getting people into work, getting people to start their own businesses. And again, it's a well publicized fact that migrants, refugees are much more entrepreneurial than indigenous communities. In my view, the same way the BAME community have been the heroes and heroines in the NHS, they could lead uh, the economic recovery of our great city of Bristol and, 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 and the rest of the country. But for that to happen, what we really want uh, from the government and key decision makers is to recognize the contribution of migrants and refugees, but also is to give them the right support that they need. Again, there's a lot of support that came from the government. A lot of it is not accessible to this community. So if we want them to, to be key part in the economic recovery, then my recommendation is that we should really make available the right targeted support services to the businesses and to the unemployed people who want and can uh, uh, to contribute to our economy. Can you give me some concrete examples of what you mean? I'll give you an example. Um, so there's a lot of information that's coming out from the government. A lot of that information in some cases is too complex. It's not understood by, let's say, some of the refugees. The government made 250 billion loan scheme available for businesses, small to, to, to medium to big. Majority of that, uh, in fact, all of that will be interest bearing within one year. Now, I can tell you that, and I'm not talking about just the Islamic faith, a lot of people find it inaccessible to seek a loan which is interest bearing. So, you know, I think that is something, you know, which we should really think about that we are leaving part of the community behind. Also, a lot of the businesses that have been impacted, including the taxi drivers, including the businesses on Stapleton Road, they uh, have received too little, too late help. And, and the help shouldn't be just monetary terms. We should really get the, the information in how they could navigate through the information that's coming from the government, uh, which actually is changing day on day. Yes. How much untapped potential do you think there is in a city like Bristol? Plenty. Um, if you look at, uh, you know, Bristol demographics and, 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 and age and etc., uh, generally the BAME community is seen. Uh, if you look at the recent statistics that's coming from Bristol City Council as a young community, if Bristol economy is, is to continue prospering, we need a future workforce that, you know, we, we shouldn't depend on our future workforce from uh, 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 Europe or anywhere else. So, 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 so for me, there's, there's, for that young community coming up, have a great potential in contributing to all the different sectors of the economy. As we've seen now in the lockdown, um, the key workers, NHS, the BIM community have played a big part. As we've seen in a lot of the, you know, uh, the, 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 the logistics, the, the, the agriculture, as I said earlier, the transport uh, with bus drivers, taxi drivers, uh, train drivers, again, the community have played key part. So for that to continue and for Bristol economy to be sustainable, we need to invest uh, the, uh, this young community to become the workforce this economy needs. So, again, I need to emphasize the investment needs to be targeted, the investment needs to be quick, and the investment needs to go to what I call community organizations, organizations that understand this community, 
organizations that represent this community. One of the issues I personally had from some of the supporters coming from the government is, in my view, the voices of the black community, black and ethnic minority community, have not been represented in the decision-making. The, a lot of views are held which are negative towards migrants and refugees. We have a program which we call Rethinking Refugee, which says refugees should not, and migrants, should not just be seen as vulnerable human beings. They should be seen as people who have the talent, the skills, and the aspirations to contribute to our society and to our, our, to our economy. So, I, in my view, it, it, it should be to everybody. Obviously, the government has a key role to play, but, but our neighbourhoods are equally equally impressive. I don't know whether you know, but there's a, every Ramadan we hold a big feast in Samax Road. Yes, I do. <laughs> and if you, have ever, if you have ever been to Samax Road in Ramadan, you see the beauty of Bristol. You see all of us, young, uh, old, white and black, eating together, Muslim and non-Muslim, whatever religion you believe, coming together as Bristolians celebrating. And that's the kind of uh, uh, inclusion we want. That inclusion we see is a Marcus Road, which is absolutely amazing. We want to see that in the borders of Bristol. We want to see that in the employment of Bristol. We need to see that in the education system of Bristol and, the, and obviously the rest of the country. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Fouad. I wish you well for the future. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. So it's nearly time to finish now, but before we go, we'd like to bring you something comforting. Yes, this is a piece of music from the Bristol Refugee Festival that happened mid-June. And this particular music is by Jiwar Khalil. He performs Kurdish music on an instrument called the Sass. And he's been performing in Bristol since 2018. In the place of this annual festival, normally happening on Queen Square, but obviously diverted online this, this week, he was one of the four artists recorded in performances with this uh, Bristol Refugee Festival. And again, thank you very much to Danny Vincent for sharing the recording with us. This is Celebrating Sanctuary at Home with Dijwar Khalil. this week we'll be back next week with a new cocktail of ideas and positive news for you all 
We'd really love to hear from you, so please do get hold of us by emailing us, for instance, at thequarantinipodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This podcast was hosted by me, Melissa Shemam. And was hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer. Thank you for listening. And stay safe. Mm-hmm.